0: You are listening to As a Woman, Episode 64, Unexplained Infertility. In this episode, I'm talking all about what it means when nothing is found to be wrong. What does that mean for your chances of getting pregnant? What does that mean for your treatment options? And what should you do? And I really just still can't believe we are living in the midst of a pandemic. If you're listening to this later in time, I hope it's all over and life is doing well. Although I really think that our lives will be forever changed. And I think my field will be always a little bit different too. But I'm recording this at home, trying to figure out how to be a working mom, podcaster, doctor, telemedicine extraordinaire. YouTuber. Oh, and a homeschool teacher, which I'm not great at. Luckily, my kids are small, so I figure I can't mess up kindergarten too much, but they need schedule and routine, and my day-to-day is really different right now. So we are working on all of that together. I am sure you guys are working your hardest, too, to try to figure out how to keep going in this current crazy time. So it might as well be fitting to have this podcast on unexplained infertility. This is really one of my least favorite topics and probably the single most thing I talk about the most. The reason why it's one of my least favorite topics is I love the world to make sense. I love the world to make sense. I like it when here's your problem, here is your solution. And that is not unexplained infertility. It is I'm not really sure what's going on, process of elimination here are the different treatment options, and the best one really does depend on your goals. It is a hard place to be in as a patient, and I sympathize with all of the couples I see who struggle with this, trying to explain it to them, and trying to help them make the best decisions for them. So unexplained infertility, the prevalence is about 10 to 20 percent of all couples who struggle with infertility have unexplained. And what it means is that None of the most common diagnoses or none of the easily tested things are wrong. So the things we look for are all normal. Put it this way, in order to be diagnosed with unexplained infertility, you have to have a normal semen analysis, normal HSG or hysterosalpingogram, which shows a normal inner portion of your uterus and fallopian tubes, so normal anatomy, and you have to be ovulating regularly. So typically these things are easily obtained after an initial visit by doing an X-ray test, the HSG, by doing a semen analysis, and by taking a good menstrual history or looking at ovulation tracking to confirm that a woman is regularly ovulating. Now that being said, there are some older tests which used to be done which have been proven not to make a difference and are not recommended in the current diagnosis of unexplained infertility, and that is the postcoital test. So this is a test where you would actually look at the cervical mucus after a couple has sex and you would see how the sperm is moving through it. And so this would tell us if there was a problem with sperm function or hostile cervical mucus. But this really is not done. It's not shown to make a difference now. And the other thing was laparoscopy on everybody with unexplained infertility, largely to look for adhesions or endometriosis. And that is not recommended in all patients. One, because it doesn't often change your treatment. And two, the sensitivity or the positive predictive value of that test to make it worth the risk of surgery is higher in people who have symptoms of infertility. Like dysmenorrhea, painful periods, dyspareunia, pain with intercourse, or GI symptoms such as IBS, irritable bowel-like syndromes, especially around your period. So diarrhea, constipation, gas and bloating. So I never say never. I sometimes do recommend laparoscopy for my patients with unexplained infertility, but it is not part of the standard workup for everybody. So don't let somebody tell you that. It really needs to be a personalized decision for your specific history. Okay, but all of those are done and they are normal. And then you get grouped into unexplained infertility. Remember to get into the infertility category to begin with is that if you have regular periods, You've been trying to get pregnant for six months if you're 35 and older or a year if you're under 35. So if you have been trying to get pregnant for that length of time with regular cycles and your workup is all normal, then you get to come to me with unexplained infertility. In reality, I always tell patients, I don't really think this is unexplained. It means nothing that is easy to diagnose. Is found. The diagnostic tests either do not exist, are very expensive, or involve IVF or other options. Some of the most common things that we as fertility doctors believe cause unexplained infertility is poor egg or sperm quality, which is often seen with age or environmental exposures like smoking or things like that, or a problem with fertilization or implantation. For some reason, whether it is the outer portion of the egg, the zona pellucida, is extra strong and hard for the sperm to get through, or if it's hard for the sperm to do its job and get through there, or if there's some implantation barrier. But most of us feel like there's things like egg sperm quality, fertilization, implantation, are really the root cause for these couples. And the number one cause of poor egg quality is going to be age. Age is the number one determining factor of your egg quality. And that is because of random genetic abnormalities that happen and an increased prevalence as you get older. So remember how I like to describe this. Your chromosomes are lined up inside your egg at the time you're born in what we call metaphase of meiosis. Well, if you really liked science like me when you were younger, then you will remember that metaphase is when your chromosomes meet in the middle. And they stay like this until ovulation. And so when you ovulate, those chromosomes pull apart And that's where half of your genetic material, 23X, gets put into your egg to then be fertilized by egg or sperm. And the simplest way is that these meiotic spindles that hold your chromosomes perfectly apart and are in charge of pulling them to separate, well, they're proteins and they break down with age, just like the rest of our bodies break down with age. So your chance of having a random chromosome abnormality because they split abnormally is much, much higher at age 40 because those chromosomes have been sitting there for 40 years than at age 20 when they've only been sitting there for 20 years. And you can't change that. Your age is your age. You may be able to take good care of yourself and do the best you can, and I'm a huge advocate for that. You should eat clean and take supplements and avoid toxins. You should certainly put yourself in the best foot forward. However, you cannot expect that you can completely overcome your age by taking a supplement. Your age is your age. And I see an increased prevalence of unexplained infertility in women who are older. So that is just something to know. I get asked all the time, well, can you check my egg quality? Not really. I can check your account. That's ovarian reserve. We can count the number. We can find out how many you have left. We can try to gauge how close you are to menopause. When are you going to run out of eggs? Do you have DOR or diminished ovarian reserve? But I can't really check the quality until I get your eggs out of your body and I see how they do in the lab. Once I've put, paired them with sperm and I see how embryos grow, that's how I can know if your egg quality is a problem. And that's really hard, right? That's IVF. So that gives me a lot of answers. But I can't just do that at diagnostic. So when you get older, we know egg quality is an issue. I do have some women who are younger with poor egg quality. And I don't say that to be anxiety provoking. I just say that because it can happen to anybody. Don't presume just because you're young that everything is okay. And this is one thing that I hate hearing from my patients. Well, I went to all these doctors and they kept saying, oh, you're young. Oh, you're 28. It doesn't matter that you've been trying for four years. You're still young. It'll happen. Oh my gosh, no. It completely matters that you've been trying for four years. Your chance of it happening is actually super low now. And now, a word from one of our sponsors, Ritual. Did you know that 97% of women aged 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet? Ritual is essential for women 18 and plus, was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% in a clinical study. I love Ritual and I love taking their Essential for Women 18 Plus every single day. One reason I love it is that it's gentle on an empty stomach and it has a minty essence, so every bottle feels refreshing and is actually enjoyable. It's also clinically backed multivitamin with high quality and traceable key ingredients and they have industry-leading sustainability standards. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 and over as a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com A-A-W. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com A-A-W for 25% off. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Quince. My closet has a tendency to get chaotic and crammed with a bunch of clothes that I don't really want to wear. What's been a game changer for me has been upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have a wardrobe full of luxury and classic essentials, and I stayed on budget. The best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands, and they do this by partnering directly with Top Factories, cutting out the middleman and passing the savings on to us. In addition, Quince only works factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing and premium products and finishes. I personally am loving the linen pieces as it's Texas and summer is upon us. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash AAW for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's QUINCE.com slash AAW to get free shipping and 365 day returns points.com slash A-A-W. So let's dive in to probabilities and math, which I love, but I'm going to give a big caveat right here. These numbers are not great. Remember that humans are not good at reproducing. You have to take it with a grain of salt. You are not comparing to 100%. 100% does not exist, okay? And no matter the odds, for any given couple, it is zero or 100%. So if I tell you something has a 1% chance, that means you can't bank on that happening. It has a good chance it won't happen. But it doesn't mean it has no chance that it could happen. And there are babies walking and breathing and living who were born to patients who had very low chances of conceiving. And their stories are beautiful and it's amazing. So the person who has a baby at age 45, oh, don't listen to the doctors because age doesn't matter. No, just for them, it was 100%. Or for the woman with premature ovarian failure who has less than a 1% chance of ovulating and getting pregnant? Oh, don't listen to them. You need to listen because you need to make educated decisions. My entire platform is built on the premise that I want to empower you with education because then you can look at the data and you can evaluate it, and you can evaluate your goals, and you can make the decisions that are right for you. Because the decisions that are right for you may not be the right decisions for your best friend. But at the end of the day, I can't get everybody pregnant. I mean, I'd be amazing if I could, but I can't. So I can't judge my value as a fertility doctor on my success of getting people pregnant. I mean, I try to, and I'm devastated when they don't. And I put a ton of stock in these numbers. But how I really try to value my worth is that I can help a couple or I can help a person through their fertility journey, educate them, empower them, give them the tools they need to make the right decisions for them. And so if we fall in the camp where we never get pregnant, we can shut the door with confidence that we made the decisions right for us and not look back and have any regrets. All right, so let's dive into some math, and let's start by what is normal. So let's look at what your chance of getting pregnant is per your age if you are just starting to get pregnant, because that's your baseline rate. It's not 100%. My mentor and fellowship, her name is Ann Steiner. If you're in the world of ABGYN or REI, you should know her name. She is the queen of epidemiology and fecundability which is the chance of getting pregnant per month. So she does a lot of prospective studies looking at factors that influence couples' ability to get pregnant naturally without fertility treatment. So these are not infertile women. I did almost all my fellowship research with her, so we looked at luteal phase defect, environmental toxins, mental health and fertility. Anyways, I digress. But here we go. So if you are just starting your journey, you are not infertile, and you are under the age of 30, your average chance of getting pregnant per month is around 20%. Okay, and then you're 31 to 33, 18% per month. 34 to 37, 11 to 12% per month. 38 to 39, 5% per month. 40 or above, 3% per month. Natural rates, nothing wrong. So if you are age... 33, and you should have around an 18% chance of getting pregnant per month. That's still very good. That would mean that you should be pregnant if you're falling on average within four to six months. So, suddenly, to get diagnosed with unexplained infertility, you're at a year of that. You are so far out the standard curve, it means something is usually wrong. Okay, so you come see me, and we do a fertility evaluation, and everything's normal. Now you're in the camp of unexplained infertility. And these numbers drop much lower once you get to unexplained infertility. Okay, you have about 80 to 90% lower chance of getting pregnant than normal for fertile couples who are just starting out. And that means your chance per month, so your fecundability, monthly probability of getting pregnant by having intercourse, timing it with ovulation, even in the setting of open tubes and normal sperm is two to four percent. That sucks, guys. That really sucks. That's usually what I tell most people in clinic. Ooh, that number sucks. It could happen. It just is unlikely to happen. And that's where we really have to start understanding this. And that is where thinking about different fertility treatments starts to come into play. One treatment option that I often see talk to patients about or that they consider is doing just Clomid. So Clomid is a medication that makes you ovulate. It is a pill that you take and it blocks the estrogen receptors in the brain. So the brain interprets that there's no estrogen and sends out a stronger signal of FSH. That FSH signal would hopefully help somebody ovulate. And if you are already ovulatory, it may help you super ovulate and ovulate more than one egg. Another thought is that if you have a luteal phase defect or a mild ovulation disorder with a shortened luteal phase or spotting in the luteal phase, taking Clomid may help you ovulate. So this is super important. Taking Clomid or its cousin medication, Femara, known as letrozole, that medication has significant improvements for women who are not ovulating regularly. So if your periods are irregularly regular or totally irregular, The numbers I'm about to go over do not apply to you, okay? Because I'm restoring you to ovulatory. You don't have unexplained infertility. You have ovulation disorder. You have anovulatory infertility. So that's different. What I am talking about is using these medications in an already ovulatory woman. My caveat here is that sometimes women who have anovulatory infertility can graduate to unexplained infertility. So if you don't ovulate, that's an obvious problem. Great, I know you have a problem. I'm going to give you the treatment for it. You're taking your Clomid or your Femara, and it's working, and you're ovulating, but you're not getting pregnant. Well, at some point now, most of us say it's about six months, you have graduated to unexplained infertility because now you're falling off that standard deviation curve, and we have restored the problem, and it didn't help you get pregnant. So now you get to graduate to unexplained infertility. So that does happen. But when you're in the unexplained infertility camp and you're using Clomid to try to help you ovulate more eggs and you time intercourse with it, your chance of getting pregnant per month with unexplained infertility is 2 to 4%. So that is not statistically different. It actually is the same range. So maybe it bumps at 1%. That is not worth it to me. Now, sometimes there's reason couples do it, insurance requirements, ease of your OBGYN, waiting to get into a fertility doctor. But my general thought here is that it is not worth your time. It's not worth your time. Your time is a precious commodity too, and it is not changing your chance of getting pregnant. Another common treatment is an IUI, a natural cycle IUI, that is intrauterine insemination. This is when you would track your natural cycle. Take ovulation tests, call the office when you're ovulating, come in and I would take the sperm, clean it, put it in a catheter, and put it in your uterus. Guess what the chance of getting pregnant per month is with that in unexplained infertility? Two to four percent. Yep, exactly. It's about the same. Maybe it's one percentage point different. It is not statistically different. It is not worth your most valuable commodity again, which is your time. So then we start looking at combination treatments, and this is where you start to see a difference. So the thought here is that purposeful super ovulation. So trying to achieve more than one follicle. And we are picky, so we're typically looking for two to three. I don't want six. I always tell my patients I draw the line at reality TV shows. At least for this purpose. I mean, maybe I'd consider one differently. But I don't want to be on a reality TV show because you have quintuplets. Not going to happen for us. So when we combine medications to make you super ovulate on purpose, two to three follicles, plus combine it with an IUI, then we start to see a benefit. And usually that benefit is around 5 to 10%. So it's all in the eye of the beholder. It's all about perspective. You could say, man, that's three to five times higher. So I have a statistically significant increased chance of getting pregnant. And that statement would be accurate. So that's the relative difference. I always talk about the absolute chance, though. What's the absolute chance you get pregnant? If your chance of getting pregnant with unexplained infertility, doing medications, whether it is Clomid, Femara, or injectable hormones, you guys. Injectable hormones are in this category. And you're combining it with an IUI. You are looking at a, at best, 1 out of 10 chance of getting pregnant. 1 out of 10 per month, per cycle you do that. And these cycles are going to cost you between 1000 to $2,000 depending on the specifics. That means 9 out of 10 times you are not pregnant. And I always say it that way to patients for me because that's how it resonates with me. You can do it. I will support you. And there's reasons why you may. You may have Aetna, and they may require it, so by golly, here we go. You may not do IVF for a variety of reasons, and here we go. Depending on the treatment you do, though, those risks, so even though it's a low probability of getting pregnant, you can have a high chance of twins. So these would not be an appropriate option for couples with unexplained infertility if the mom can't carry multiples. Type 1 diabetic, unicornuate uterus, prior preterm birth, needed a cerclage, anything that puts you at high risk if you had more than one baby, this is not a good treatment for you. So that chance of twins, if you're using Clomid or Femara, which are oral medications, is about 5 to 8%. Chance of triplets, 1 in 300. Chance of twins, if you're using FSH, which is an injectable medication, is going to be about 30%. Chance of triplets is going to be 1 to 3%. So you can see those multiple numbers are significantly higher with the injectable hormones, and they cost more, and they take more visits. We previously had kind of thought that that was a stair-step method. So use Clomid IUI for three cycles, use FSH, so injectable hormones with IUI for three cycles, and then go on to IVF if you're not pregnant. And for a couple of different reasons, that's really not appropriate anymore but I will simplify it with science for you. So there was a great study that was published in Fertility and Sterility. This is our journal for REI and it's called the FAST trial, which was a fast track and standard treatment. It was to evaluate the optimal treatment for unexplained infertility. And what they did in this study is they took couples with unexplained infertility across age groups and they had two different groups. Group number one was three rounds of Clomid IUI then three rounds of FSH, or injectable hormone IUI, and then on to IVF. And group number two, skipped the injectable hormones, three rounds of Clomid IUI, and then went straight to IVF. The take-home was that couples who were in the standard group had the FSH, IUI, three cycles of that prior to going to IVF. It took them longer to get pregnant, and they spent more money trying. Okay, took longer, spent more money. That doesn't sound good to me. And what we also found is we got some good modern success rates. Chance per cycle of getting pregnant with Clomid IUI was 7.6%. Chance getting pregnant per cycle with FSH IUI, 9.8%. 2% increase, you guys, not statistically different. Versus the chance with IVF, and this was without genetic testing and had all comers, was 30% per cycle, which was pretty on par, which was much better. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Caraway. Spring is coming, and I always love a good home reset. Non-toxic cookware is the perfect way for you to kick off your own spring cleaning. With so many collections to explore, there is a Caraway for every cook. Their internet famous kitchenware is a staple for any home. It comes with beautiful shades to fit your aesthetic, but most importantly, you're ditching the chemicals. Caraway's non-toxic kitchenware comes a chemical-free ceramic coating so your food can be prepared without any of those hard to pronounce chemicals leaching in to your healthy ingredients. Everybody knows that I am a big believer that our environment impacts our body, and that's why I trust Caraway with my cooking. Visit carawayhome.com slash A-A-W to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for our listeners, so visit carawayhome.com slash A-A-W or use the code A-A-W at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware, made modern. Now, per cycle means a lot of different things for IVF, and IVF success rates can depend on your age and if you do genetic testing. And they can be up to as high as about 70% per transfer if you have a genetically normal embryo, or if it's donor egg, the woman is very young. All right, so maybe if you're getting advice from your doctor about when to use injectable hormones, and there are some cases, some women are anovulatory on oral meds and they need injectable hormones to ovulate. So I never say never. However, you should think about this study and is that added cost of the medicine and the cycle worth it? and what your goal is. You guys know my favorite question, what is your goal? And you really need to think about that when you're talking about spending your resources, money, time, emotional well-being, physical health on fertility treatment. You want to make smart choices in line with your goals. But here's my take home for the data for superovulation and IUI. It is not convincing that it is an appropriate treatment for unexplained infertility, meaning it is unlikely to get the majority of patients to their goal of having a baby. But five to 10% is not zero percent. And so it will help some couples. If it is advantageous to them because of financial constraints or insurance purposes, it is not unacceptable to do it. But I think every woman who is choosing to do oral medications, injectable hormones with IUI, who has a diagnosis of unexplained infertility, needs to be directly told, this will likely take you longer to get pregnant and cost you more money than if you went right to IVF. There is no denying that IVF is the gold standard for unexplained infertility. I always say, if I was given a diagnosis, it's unexplained infertility, and I'm going to get to pick from multiple choice what is the best treatment for this, IVF, IVF. The only reason to do Comed IUI, to be honest, is to try to get there at a lower price point or to try to get there with a less invasive cycle. It is like gambling. It's lower cost, but much lower probability. It is often better, especially if you're just starting your family planning journey and you want more than one child, to go big. Yes, I know, IVF, in vitro fertilization. That feels like a lot. It is really hard to hear. But there is a bigger return on your investment. You have a higher chance of bringing a baby home from the hospital. And depending on how old you are, how your ovarian reserve is, and other factors, one cycle of IVF may get you your whole family. You may have frozen embryos so that when you come back to me and you want to have baby two or three or four, we're not starting from scratch. You have already invested in your future family and your future goals. And that is very, very powerful. So I'm going to end for a moment talking about IVF. IVF is in vitro fertilization, and I know it often carries a lot of stigma with it. It's hard to hear, hard to decide to do. It results in so many really beautiful babies, especially for my couples struggling with unexplained infertility. IVF means I'm going to take your eggs that have come out of that vault inside the ovary this month. And in a normal month, one of these would ovulate and the rest would die. And I'm gonna get them all to grow. Nobody's gonna die. That is the art of IVF for an IVF doctor. That's what makes me really excited. So you're gonna get a protocol, you're gonna use some medications, you're gonna use hormone shots, and it's gonna take you a few weeks. I'm gonna get your eggs to grow, and then I'm gonna take them out of your body in a procedure called an egg retrieval. The egg retrieval is done under anesthesia. It's a procedure where you're asleep, but you're breathing on your own. We go in vaginally with a needle attached to a vaginal ultrasound, and we aspirate those follicles, and we collect your eggs in test tubes. Get a sperm sample the same day. One sperm is fertilized into each egg. Embryos grow. And then we are usually doing pre-implantation genetic testing, or PGT, especially in embryos developed from a maternal age of 35 or more, because of the increased prevalence of those chromosomal abnormalities that we talked about earlier. If you're doing genetic testing, then your embryos are all going to be frozen, and you will have an embryo transfer in the subsequent month, and that's called an FET, or frozen embryo transfer. Often, you do one cycle of IVF, meaning hormone shots, egg retrieval, grow embryos, and then you have embryo transfers. There is such a thing as a fresh embryo transfer when you're not testing genetics of the eggs. I don't do very many of them. Most of my patients like the benefit of genetic testing because they're either starting their family and they want to use these embryos for multiple children because they've had miscarriages in the past, because they want the absolute highest chance per embryo transfer, or because the female partner is a little bit older. So vast majority of my patients are doing frozen embryo transfers. But so probabilities of success are determined by per transfer rates, and if you're doing genetic testing, those probabilities are around 60 to 70 percent per embryo. And so that's kicking the butt out of 5 to 10 percent or 2 to 4 percent. Kicking butt. So much better. And your age-related chance of IVF working if you don't do genetic testing is stratified based on your age. So it can be anywhere from. 20 to 55%, kind of depending on how old you are. But most of those women who are falling in the category where it's less than 50% per transfer are opting for genetic testing to have the highest chance of success per embryo. I have an entire podcast dedicated to IVF. So if you're listening and you want to know more, please go listen to it. What I want to say here, and is what I usually say to most couples with unexplained infertility, is that you need to really think about what your barriers to IVF are and be honest and open and transparent if you have any that way your doctor can help you sometimes there's ethical or religious things that may make you feel hesitant but if you talk to your doctor we often have ways that we can overcome or make you feel better about the process honesty transparency goals that is important remember that i know this is a hard place to be our hearts are with you especially if you have unexplained infertility and you're living in the current world where everything is on hold. The last thing I'll say that hopefully will give you some hope if your cycle has been put on hold is that the FAST trial right here didn't show any harm in women having lower success with IVF if they were in the middle group, okay? So if it took you three extra months to get to IVF because you were in the injectable hormones IUI arm, you didn't have any lower chance of success of your IVF cycle working. So that should make you feel better if you're living in the world of a COVID-19 fertility treatment pause and you have unexplained infertility and these numbers feel really burdensome and like a heavy load. Hold that inside that women who were waiting because they were randomized to an arm that took longer, they still did good in the end. Okay? There was another trial that supports this also looking at unexplained infertility in older women. Called the Fort T Trial F O R T T. This trial was to look at older women, so in this trial had women age thirty-eight to forty-two, and what they did is they were randomized to either get Clomid IUI, FSH IUI, and then go to IVF or go right to IVF. Similarly, pregnancy rates with Clomid or FSH with IUI were low per month, and There was actually lower in the FSH group than the Clomid group, again showing no statistical difference, and the IVF arm was much higher. But, so this was showing us that if you're 38 or older, there's really no benefit to doing IUIs. It is costing you more money and taking more time. But what I wanted to bring it up right here is that it did say that women who waited to get into the IVF arm did not have lower chances of getting pregnant. And so, the take home message from this was that immediate IVF demonstrated superior pregnancy rates, fewer cycles, less money than patients who did IUI cycles first if the female partner was 38 or older. So, this should help us understand that as we get older, we need to be more aggressive, but also in the current era of fertility treatments on pause. Even in studies looking at women who are older, they did not have a decrease in their chance of pregnancy if they were stratified to an arm that made them wait to get to IVF, okay? I will say this, if you fall into unexplained infertility and you've been debating what to do and your fertility treatments are on hold because of this pandemic, this may be the time for you to reevaluate your goals, get your body as good as possible, control those lifestyle factors, and give a strong consideration to being more aggressive in your pursuit of your fertility when this is all over. There's something to be said for doing the gold standard and having confidence that you're doing everything that you can. Okay, I just want to say a huge thank you, you guys. This is a harder topic to go into. I appreciate you guys listening if you've made it this far. As always, love the support of this podcast. It means the world to me. I would love it if you'd hop over to the YouTube channel sometime. You can just search my name, Natalie Crawford MD, and give a video a watch and see what you think of that medium. I was not a YouTuber myself until more recently, and I'm totally addicted. There's something very nice about getting short bursts of information. Everything's a little bit shorter than it is here on the podcast. You can always follow me on Instagram at Natalie Crawford MD or the blog Natalie Crawford Thank you guys so, so much. Please stay safe. Please don't lose hope. Please take care of yourselves.